Behold him, all ye that pass by. The bleeding prince of life and peace. Come, sinners, see your Savior die, and say, was ever grief like his? Come, feel with me his blood applied. My Lord, my love, is crucified. What do people say when they see acts of violence? Yeah, there's part of us that if we were going to be in Jerusalem that day, if we're going to walk by and witness this, and the truth is, friends, we would have witnessed it. If you're in that region, you would have seen it. Why? Because they would take all of the criminals and put them on a cross, a torture device, not hidden in the woods somewhere or off to the side where, you know, it's done in secret. No, it was done in plain day. In fact, they would be on a hill. That's why we call it Mount Calvary. They would go on top of a hill and they would crucify people. And often they would put their crime on a sign or, or something next to them or on the cross itself. And we'll, we'll talk about that in the season of Lent. Well, they put the crime of the criminal. Why? So that people walking by would be able to see that if you did this, you got this. Right? If you did this, this is what you're going to get. And so a lot of times, I, I imagine if, if we were going to walk past the scene, because it would have been seen, <laughs> it was on a hill, everyone would have seen what would be happening. There's a crowd that had gathered. There was commotion. And so uh, probably a lot of us, you know, would, would walk by and, and we would kind of hide our eyes. Yeah, we wouldn't see this. We, we would ignore it. Other times we would look and just maybe reflect and, and see, you know, what's going on in our world that we're doing this stuff. And yes, there's probably maybe some of us that would walk by and like the crowd that day would hurl insults. I know, I know I, I'd like to think of myself as, you know, a person that would never do that, but we live in this sort of crowd mentality where you get a crowd of people together, some people are going to ignore, some people are going to reflect and figure out what's happening, and some people will say, he deserved that, good. And that's, that's what they did. They walked by and people shook their heads at him. And at first I would like to think that it's like, you know, tsk, 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 you know. But scholars would say that, when people would shake their heads, it was a sign. It was a visible sign of offense, of a way of saying, you know, something bad to someone. I remember, you remember like freshman English class? I think it was Romeo and Juliet. And, and there was a scene where one of, one of the guys says, I bite my thumb at you. Right? And I remember asking the teacher, I'm like, what's up with that? And they're like, well, Michael, what, you know, it, it, was a, it was a way of saying, you know, you know there, it was a, a physical sign. I said, oh, like, so he flipped him the bird. <laughs> y yes, Michael, and, uh, you know. So it's kind of weird to think about that. But th that's basically what, can you imagine? Jesus is on the cross, and there's people walking by, and they're giving him the bird. They're doing a physical act. Not just with the words. And we read the words. But, you know, who do you think? You know, it's this guy. He said all these things. We can understand this about the crowd and the crowd mentality. Yet when we look closer to this scene, 
It's not just the crowds that are going to do that visible, visceral hatred sign to someone. It's now, Matthew says, it's going to be the religious leaders, the teachers, the elders, the most religious people of that day. And now surely you would think that the, the most religious people would understand or, or do something or you know, not necessarily join in with the crowd mentality. <laughs> right. We live in the real world. And we see again how the most religious can also be leading the crowd, leading in some of these insults. I mean, because what, what is religion other than trying to understand who God is? And for me, true religion, not religiosity, but true religion is that if you understand who God is, God's going to understand who you are truly in our humanness. Religion isn't just about the study of God. It's about the study of who we are as God's people, as people. We're going to understand Jesus teaches us not only who God is, but who we are in our full humanness. So here they are, and what, what do they say? He saved others, which is kind of a weird, like, sideways compliment. They're acknowledging. They're acknowledging that he has done some things, that he saved others, and the truth is, he has. And they were witnesses of those things. And we are witnesses as well of all that God is doing in the world, all that Jesus has done in the lives of one another. We are witnesses, and we get to see that indeed he saves others. Now, from their context, they would have heard the stories. They might have seen the miracles. They would have been witnesses, eyewitnesses of watching Jesus in his kingdom salvific work. And so they pay him this sort of odd tribute. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. And I don't think there are ever truer statements said. He cannot save himself. Now, we all know he can, right? Yeah, of course he can. He's almighty, he's all-powerful, we get this. But he can't. There, there's this demand. There's always these demands that we have of God. Come down. And we'll believe. Hey, why don't you come down off that cross and we'll believe in you. If you say, right, you are this. If you are who you say you are, then why don't you do these things for the purpose that now we'll be able to believe. And again, it's, it's through the form of mocking. It's through a word of scorn. Yet there is something really powerful and very true happening here. Yes. He can't save himself. That's why he saves us. And every time we demand God to display power, that's, that's what they're basically saying, is that to come down from the cross would be a display of power. And where do we get in trouble whenever we think about God wanting to use power so that we might believe this is the challenge I think we face most in our world is this demand for power, that God's power is going to reveal something that we would be in awe or in majesty of, then, oh yeah, that's when we'll believe. God, we want you to do something magnificent while he's doing it. And we just can't see it because we look through the lens of power. 
We look through the lens in often our violent world that salvation and victory would have been him coming down from the cross rather than him having the strength to endure it, the strength to love. Martin Luther King has this great sermon called Strength to Love. That's one of the hardest things to do in our world. We need that strength to love. That's what Jesus is exhibiting for us on the cross, a power that helps him stay, a power that keeps him there because of love, because of me and you. He's there. So when we come to the cross, when we come to God today, are you, are you wanting a sign of power? Are you wanting the, God to do something like really great? The thing we struggle with the most is letting go. That the greatest act of power, the greatest act of victory is actually surrender. It's surrender. It's not power in the way that we see it. So anytime we talk with one another and we get through this lens of power again, and we see it all the time, we're not immune from it in the church. We're not immune from it when we're trying to figure out how to live in the world. If we try to live as light in the world, but we do it through the lens of power, are we not still just the same people demanding Jesus to do what we want, to display his power in the power that we want to see? I hear sometimes people talking about, you know, as Christians, you know, standing up for things. You know, we got to take a stand as Christians. And I get that. Yeah, I know where that's coming from. And I believe that it's coming from a good place. I also believe that it's dangerously close to power language. We got to stand up. My question is, why? Because I want to be mindful of, of power. Because we're always about a hair's breadth away from just claiming it ourselves. Why? <laughs> do we think, I mean, do you really think that God needs for us to defend him? Because if God is like that, that's not a God I want to worship. That God needs my defense. You know, God needs me to stick up for him. I mean, last time I checked, God is all powerful. But the way that we view power is very different from a God who exercises power in unconditional love and surrender. I think what we do is we take this power language and, and we, we use it to, to claim territory, to claim victory, to, to get what we want. And that's completely opposite from the power that is displayed on the cross. It is about surrender. It is about self-sacrifice. That the greatest sign of power is about Jesus enduring our own insults. The demand that we have for Jesus to do something, to do something miraculous and marvelous, because his self-giving love isn't enough. It must be, it has to be. Let it be for us that which transforms us truly, transforms us out from our mindset of obtaining and gathering and power. But let it transform us to letting go and surrender and sacrifice and self-giving, giving ourselves away. That's the power that we need. 
Not the power to do things in, in Jesus' name or to claim this in Jesus. I get that, but it's not, it's not the power of God. The power of God is going to be seen in the strength to love. So we, we walk by and we see God's love made visible. The invisible God is made visible now, and here he is in what we believe is the propitiation of our sins, the work, his blood, all of these religious terms, what he's doing on this cross in his power and in his strength to love is that which saves us. And he cannot save himself. So we're often tempted to put that back in his face. God, we want you to do something. Do something powerful. Oh, love divine, what hast thou done? The immortal God hath died for me. The Father's co-eternal Son bore all my sins upon the tree. The immortal God for me hath died. My Lord, my love, is crucified. Let us pray. We surrender. We let go. We love. We need your strength, Lord. In this season of Lent, we're going to look at some things, Lord, that are, are challenging for us. And we often, maybe like the crowds or maybe like even the most religious people of the day, sometimes we say those same words. Or if not those same words, we say it with the same heart. That your love is seen through surrender rather than what we think is victory. Victory comes through sacrifice rather than obtaining. So Lord, help us to let go. Help us to surrender. Help us to give away. Help us to sacrifice. We need your power to do so because we want to keep. We want to hold. We don't want to let go. We want to gather power for ourselves. Help us to exercise the life that you give as we give our lives away for someone else this week. Give us the strength to love so that in our love for one another, your unconditional and everlasting love is made known and real. Through our weakness, provide your strength. And in our love, reveal your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.